0: In the night
1: when you created life, it was in the night when you spoke out, Let there be light. There was light, it was in the night that hell began.
0: The fight. Hey there, and welcome back to the Youth of the Nation podcast. I'm here with my friend Isabel Hunt. Isabel is a coach, speaker, and author who hails all the way from Germany. Like, we are going international with this. Uh, She's written a book called The Power of Faith Driven Success and is my friend and I hope soon to be your friend, um, Isabel Hunt. Isabel, how are you doing?
1: Thank you so much for having me. Well, we just talked about it. I have a bit of a cold. Um, No wonder when you're in Indiana and the temperature goes from 80 degrees to 35 (laughs) in snow and the next day goes back to 70 so that's the weather here you always catch something
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i i have family in indiana and when you told me you lived in indiana you told me the weather i was kind of jealous we talked maybe four days ago and i was like hey how's it going you're like great it's sunny here i'm feeling fantastic and then before (laughs) you know it it's cold it's bitter
1: and now it's (laughs) sunny again so. It's snow this morning, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Washington, it's sunny right now, and it's probably going to rain like a torrential downpour in a couple hours. So, um, we understand that the switches between, between, um, between weather. weather, so yeah. they will understand your sniffles. Don't worry about it, because I sniffle on this probably every other week, so you will be good. But, Isabel, um, before we get into kind of the questions that I have, you are from Germany. Like, so what... Yes. I'm adding this question in, but, like, what What brought a German girl all the way to Indiana, United <laughs> States of all places?
1: Well, I didn't want to end up in Indiana. That was kind <laughs> of a a god thing actually because that's where i met my husband um a a little later on but what really got me here was um i had a prophetic dream when i was about 12 i grew up in east germany so that means behind the wall in communism and so the world was fairly um like it was a small little world we were only allowed to go east not west so it was kind of like this this urge like i want to what's behind it, like i want to see and i want to experience that and once I was able to to travel and see the world, I just felt so um, in my element. I knew this is where I was supposed to be. And one night I went to bed and I saw myself on a, on a big stage speaking. I knew that was me as an adult and I didn't understand exactly what I was saying or what language I was speaking because I really, really didn't like other languages besides German. And, um, and then one day, a couple years later, uh, American missionaries came to our little town. They had like an outreach event going on and one of them stayed with us and he spoke American English. And I, I was like, that sounds familiar. What is he talking? Like, what is he saying? I want to learn that language. And, um, that's when I knew, oh, okay, God, I'm supposed to go to the U.S. Why in the world there? That's across the sea, the ocean. I don't want to go there. I have my family here, but... It just stuck with me, and at the age of 18, I came to the U.S. for the first time to check it out. I was an au pair and nanny um, for an exchange program in D.C., And when I came here within the first year, I learned English almost perfectly. People said, you don't have much of an accent anymore. And that's been only a year. I'm like, I feel like I've been here before. I don't know. It's like I was here and I jokingly said to my parents, did you adopt me? I'm like, no, (laughs) definitely not. Definitely not. I look like them. So, (laughs) yeah. And then I went back to Germany and got my degree in uh, social science and psychology. And... And then came back to the U.S. again as an au pair, which I always said I would never ever do again. But for some reason, I felt this pole to just do it, to see what opportunities there are for me. At that point, I was already 25, 26. And I ended up in New York. I thought, New York, great chances to figure things out. No, that didn't work out. The family mm. actually got rid of me quickly. And then I ended up in San Francisco. And um, San Francisco didn't work out too well either. There were some intercultural differences. She was from Iran. He had was German background, and there was a lot of jealousy going on. And then the agency sent me to Indiana, Indianapolis, and that's where hey. I have been for the last 10 years.
0: <laughs> wow. Journey. Yeah. So you've been, you've been all over the place, started in New York, or well, started in Germany um mm-hmm. which is an amazing story i didn't under, i didn't know that like you were on the east side of kind mm-hmm. of which yeah. is i mean i'm sure there's even a cultural i mean there's a cultural difference when you come over here and yeah. you're kind of seeing like truly like the aladdin movie a whole new world because
1: um, (laughs) yeah pretty much but you expect that that's the thing people say there's a cultural shock but there really isn't because when you go to another country you expect that you go there and you know people are different traditions are different Uh, but when you go back home and then that's when you have the culture shock because obviously time didn't stand still while you were gone and that was always the problem for me
0: yeah wow yeah that's that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. That story is that story is dope. Um, but <laughs> that
1: was a short version. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was the quick version. I heard the little bit expanded version, and trust me, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, well, I think we're kind of hearing kind of like what's your why and what you're kind of about, especially when you talk about that prophetic word that you got from God and from the mm-hmm. Spirit, like on what on what you were supposed to do. But again, I ask this question all the time, and What's your why? like why do you get up in the morning? Why do you meet with clients? Why do you have a website? why do you write why did you write a book? like what gets you up in the morning? What drives you to do these things?
1: What drives me is people like you hmm. <laughs> to be really honest, I'm not just saying that cliche wise, right It is um people especially I love working with people under 30 under 35. The older I get, the more I put that range up, you know so it sounds a little not so. Don't don't sound that old. Um, But I'm not that old. I'm still part of the millennial group anyways. I always love working with them because even though there's a lot of judgment in this world around this group, um, if it's even Gen Z, like all those people get a lot of bad raps, Like they're all about them and they're selfish. I experience a different picture of those people. There is just a deeper sense of we're done with this BS. I don't want to live under this control. Any more authority that keeps us controlled. It's like a breaking out, but they understand what it means to create community with um, diversity. They don't really care that much about cultural differences or how you look like there is Mm. they are more mission driven. Uh, more purpose-driven. And we hear that in the employment world where people are like, yeah, we hate um, employing those because they always ask for our mission. And if it's not alignment, they won't take the paycheck, even if it's a good paycheck. Like, well, if you're not mission-driven, there's nothing that would hold me there even for the money because I think those young people understand that money is not everything. It's great to have and it's has no power really unless the power that we give it to – um, it's a great tool, right? But there is more to life. I want more. There's like this deep yearning for more and this is not just it. And I know that it's not just it. Yeah. And I think because they're going through such an an incredible shift of awareness and almost like an awakening shift to to the world, like no, we want to change this world. There's so much that has been put on us and we don't want this anymore. Hmm. And that um the overwhelm there's a lot of overwhelm where that's between their heart and what they are being taught from teacher school like everything is just really boxed in and being a sociologist and knowing all the the labels and statistics you know um all those great things that yeah. we research It's just every time you're just a little bit outside of a box, suddenly you're not normal anymore. There's something wrong with you. And it bothers me so much that this is my why when I wake up, Mike, I want to make sure that you understand that there is nothing wrong with you, no matter what your your what illness you have been put on you, like the label of it. We can acknowledge what you're going through. We can acknowledge the difficulties that you have, maybe even some mental challenges, but it doesn't define you. And that's what you need to understand, that on a hard level, there's nothing wrong with you because God within, right? That's why Jesus was there to show us that we're all one with God. Let go of the guilt. Let go of the pain. And um, just because we don't fit in a specific box doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us we might just be different but that Mm -hmm. difference can really serve us in so many ways and most of what we're here for like the, the main thing that we're here for is to show love God is love therefore you are love at a at your core and that is really what gets me up every morning where I'm like those people seem to get it they just don't quite know what it is yet and how to put the words to it and every time i talk to someone in in this way away from religion from the institution religion right mm-hmm. um people are like oh my gosh i can totally relate to that this makes sense it really resonates with my heart on a deeper level thank you now i don't feel as crazy as i thought i am mm-hmm. and that that gets me up every morning
0: wow the passion behind that wow you you're not you're not lying i think i think that was cool what <laughs> you said about the idea of You, you know, I am one of those things because it's not, it's, you care about young people and you care about Mm -hmm. the next generation, which is, which is so key because the, because you're right. I am mission driven. I am purpose driven. I want to know not what you're doing now, but what you're going to do for the four-year-old who isn't in youth ministry yet, but is going to be soon. And what, how are they going, how are they going to get the mission? How are they going to feel called? And you're right. And what for me, when people say that their mission is, oh, we just wanna help, you know, change people's lives, I'm like, cool. But like it's too general, yeah to what me. I, like
1: what, I'm like, oh blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. cool. Sick. Everyone wants to
0: change people's <laughs> lives. But yeah. my thing is like when it's specific and I think that's what the next generation is is about, is they're tired of like generalities of like we're gonna help change this country. It's like, okay, we're tired of talking, we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. as we are mission driven I think we also just want to do. We want to produce, yeah, we want to make very things happen. Driven.
1: Give me something that I can do and <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. And that's what what amazes me about this generation. If it's about environment, if it's about community work, if it's there there's so much negative being told. I mean, we don't watch TV, we don't have cable, we don't watch news really. But when you take a look, all of what you hear is the negative. And I say it, I'm a mother of a 5-year-old. And I always say it to everyone has the responsibility for each other. We are all somehow connected. Part of who you are is part of who I am. When I come at you, I come actually at myself. When you cry out for love, it's actually my own cry out for love. And I say to I say to everyone, it's like you have the responsibility to lift up generations because they will live up your expectations if yeah. you have the expectation that they suck anyways and there's nothing that they can ever do right well they will prove you right because that's what what they like there's nothing here for me so why should I bother mm-hmm. but if you have the expectation that they are ready to do great things that they are the ones who are ready to take action and not afraid of the consequences because they know that there nothing else matters then just showing love to people and being accepting and kind, then that's what they will live up to. If they see the great examples, if we we lived up those stories, they say, me too, me too, I want this too. So how can I make this happen for me? And you see a total shift in generations. It's just the perspective that we as adults especially have to change in regards to younger people. They're not just kids, they're individual, and those individual can teach us a lot. My five-year-old is my teacher Wow. in so many ways. That's awesome. And that's how he shows up, you know? He he doesn't throw tantrums all the time because he feels a power struggle between us. No, I respect how he shows up, I respect how he feels, I respect what he goes through, obviously with setting boundaries right and explaining yeah. to them, hey, this is what you experience this is the good way to deal with it this is not a great way to deal with it yeah because they're still learning but it's just the shift in perspective they're individuals and if we treat them like that they will treat us the same way
0: mm-hmm. that's deep that's deep i love what you said about that last part like how you're five-year-old this year as your mm-hmm. teacher i always tell people i have a, a three-year-old brother he was just turned three, and I always tell people, like, he's kind of my like my youth pastor because he teaches me about joy, and, like, when he yeah. gets angry, he gets angry for, like, two seconds, and then is just over it. And, like, I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> and, like, his his resilience in his heart, and some mm-hmm. people go, well, he's just three. It's just a kid. I'm like, no, but there's a heart of God. Like, the heart of God is in that as well. Like, how God has intended us to be is in that yeah. as well. And, when and I the look soul it, yeah. doesn't
1: age. Mm-hmm. The soul doesn't age. A three-year-old can be so much more wiser than a 30 or 60-year-old. Huh. It's just how they're connected to their heart and to the soul. And the soul is being fed by the spirit. So it's a way of listening. It's a way of looking much deeper and just being with things, being in the moment without judgment, yeah. um, but we put it on them the way we erase them. What is wrong with you? Um, why are you acting this way? Like instead of just having a conversation with them as we would have with any normal adult, Um, we judge them on their behavior. Don't throw tantrums. This is inappropriate. And then they start judging themselves for the way they feel, and that's where it starts, you know? And then they become um, less confident. They don't really understand what they're feeling. Then the trouble starts. There's a reason why so many young people suffer from depression and anxiety and why there's a rise of suicidal thoughts, and if not even committing or like really thinking about like nobody needs me anyway so why why am i even here
0: yeah that's true i love the idea so so i love some soul thousands
1: of stars and we can never count
0: them you you talk about emotional intelligence a lot um it's it's on your website um it's a it's, it's a mainstay of who you are and I have begun to learn emotional intelligence and also cultural intelligence um, mm-hmm. in my ELD courses. And I have, I'm still like, it's like a, it's like a water, it's like a fire hose. Like it's just coming at me a million miles per minute, but I love learning it. So define, if you could like define what emotional intelligence is kind of as like in its simplicity or as sim- maybe as simple as we could. And mm-hmm. then why do you find it so significant for the believer because some some people might think like I'm a believer do I really need to care about my emotions like do my emotions really matter and I hear you laughing cuz I'm laughing too it's funny to say like why are we saying that cuz obviously but why why should it be significant to the believer mm-hmm.
1: Well, what is emotional intelligence? I'm leaving the sociologist out because I define myself as the sociologist who breaks up with any kind of labels and um, boxes and statistics. So in my understanding, emotional intelligence is simply awareness of where we're out of alignment with our life's purpose, where we're out of alignment with, with our soul and why we're here and what we're called to do. So everything that we experience, no matter what it is, if it's anger, if it's fear, if it's happiness, is a sign in, in the way we live. Are we out our purpose or what has just happened? Are there things that need to be healed inside of me? Um, a lot of things outside of us, they trigger us, right? I mean, yeah. we may have experienced some kind of trauma in childhood. We talked about it earlier. And there might be uh, people that have a similar voice pitch or uh, certain events that just totally trigger that trauma. And then we respond from this pain, from this place of pain instead of from a place of healing. And every time we respond from a place of pain and hurt, we actually tend to hurt other people with it more Mm. and ourselves. If we operate from a place of healing and awareness and what we experience and how we experience the emotion... Uh, we can respond in a way of reflecting, in a way of connection. I always say reacting to your emotions is a head conversation. Reflecting what you experience is a is a heart conversation. Mm. And I, um, I talk about it too where I believe, I wholeheartedly believe that God uses our emotional experiences as a guide. It's literally like God speaking through us um, to us through our emotions, because they are so significant. There's actually history around it. Um, just real short. Um, emotions were designed to be physically acknowledged and spiritually reflected on, mm. but because. Um, once people and nations were created back in history, right, it, it started with after, um, actually way before that, but it started when really the institution of church um, acknowledged the power that it has over people, and that was why Martin Luther created the, the amendments. And said, I don't like how people are being manipulated into giving money. This is not for me. We're creating a different church. Now, that is like really, really the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the sh- very short version, right? Uh-huh. Um, we're separating. But in the end, you just created another institution that also, uh, when you create institutions, you want to control the people that are within that institution to avoid chaos. But that also means that, Um, most have discovered that we can use our emotions to manipulate people and church has done that for a very long time. Um, It was even in the 17th century when uh, Descartes was doing research on emotions and he wanted to integrate the spiritual awareness into emotion and the Pope um, made a contract with him that uh, prohibited him from um, developing the spiritual side in terms of emotion. He was only supposed to focus on the physical to make sure that the the spiritual side in terms of emotion stays with the church. Yeah, And we see it in politics. We see it when we look at commercials and advertising. Everywhere... You look, emotions are being used to control people. If it's fear-mongering, if it's um, creating division, if it's having you buy something, it's all emotional based, right? And the thing is, people don't want emotionally aware people because then they can't control them anymore. <laughs> ah. Because then you really listen to your own heart and like, okay, where where is what is divine God actually saying to me? What is and feels right in in the term of a greater good? How can I be of service in a greater for a greater good and not just for myself? And it always leads back to love because, like we said, God is love, and um, Jesus demonstrated that very clearly. What that means, how that how that shows up in the physical form in the physical world, right? Yeah. And that is why this has become even more important for me. Now, there are lots of people now that teach it. I don't know if um, in different ways, obviously, but this is why it's so important for me that people know and understand everything you experience has a reason and it has a specific message for you. You just have to start to learn to reflect on it instead of respond to it. When someone is angry at you, it most likely has nothing to do with you. Maybe it has something to do with what you said that um, interfered with their boundaries or they have to reflect on something. But when we experience emotions as a message, we no longer feel and take everything personally that other people do to us. Hmm. Okay, they're angry. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like I have sometimes clients that get angry at me because I push them, you know, it's like, well, here's something to reflect on. What do you think about that? I'm like, oh, stop. Like, you know, yeah. and they get all angry. <laughs> and I could take this person and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I really suck as a coach. And that's probably not great. And oh, no, they're angry at me. But I am here and I can say, you know what? They are angry because we are defining and redefining their boundaries and how they want to show up in this world. And has nothing to do with me.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: just here to be with them going through this state of being, mm-hmm. um, whatever that is and whatever they need. So there's more of a, a covering a need than actually having to make someone feel better. Wow. Does that make sense? Like, we yeah, always want does. everyone to be happy, right? Why are you yeah. not happy? Like, come on, child, be happy. <laughs> uh-huh. Um but then we don't. We forget that we as adults even sometimes have bad days. But we think everyone else is supposed to have good days. Um, so I, I actually just wrote an article. It's called, called "Will You Care About Me If I'm Well," and created this um, paradigm where we want to suffer with other people because then we somehow feel heard. But at the same time, we have created that stigma that if you're a negative, people don't want to hang out with you. So we just stuff it all down. And it's just this real crazy, like, I mean, just saying it out loud. is like, okay, um, that's confusing. That's overwhelming in my head. And that's what we operate from, that overwhelm. Can I openly say what feels not so great. And then there's the other side where people are talking about authenticity, right? And then they just talk about everything that's going wrong with them every single day. Yeah. They don't realize that they're talking themselves into spiraled spiral down. So that awareness is exactly important because of that reason.
0: Wow. That's deep.
1: Mm.
0: I, yeah. yeah, that I, work is deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I just, when I've, when I've been able to reflect on my emotions more, like when I'm like going into counseling mm. and just like, even with like kids, like I get angry at them and I get mad at them and they get angry at me. And instead of looking at, like you said, easily offended, instead of looking at it as an attack or an offense, I look at it as more as like, what's their emotional state? Like what's their soul? Mm-hmm. Like how are they feeling kind of thing. And instead of looking like inward, like looking inward, but understanding what another person is giving to me outward um, yeah. reflects the emotions that they're feeling uh, and the trauma that they felt um, and how those emotions have been twisted and turned and how mm-hmm. being happy might have been a forced emotion. So if they're not forced to be happy, then why would they be happy kind of thing? Or um, like for me, I struggled with anger and I still do to this day. Like anger is a big thing for me. Yeah, 'Cause anger sense. anger was the way to like break out of what I needed to do. So playing football or fighting someone or punching something like like a bed or like uh mm-hmm. like a locker. Like that was the release for me. And but what I realized is it wasn't just because it wasn't because I was angry at a locker or <laughs> because I was <laughs> mad at a football player, it was because there was deep, deep, deep emotion that I never was able to deal with or to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, yeah. and that's what I believe being emotionally intelligent is for. And speaking about talking about it, this question is, is essential. I believe for a youth leader, right? Cause this is for youth pastors and youth leaders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why should youth pastors, youth leaders care about emotional intelligence? Um, and how can it's kind of a twofold question, how can they feel equipped for, dealing with not dealing I don't like the word dealing but helping walking through a mm-hmm. youth or a young person's uh, emotional trauma or um becoming intelligent on their emotions.
1: Yeah. Well, um, a lot of it I already mentioned before because um if we don't have that awareness, we react pretty much to everything. We mm-hmm. judge. It's um I mean, the the general notion is if you if you take a look outside is when kids get angry, like especially in the hood or in in the inner city kids, right? They have a specific stigma. It's like, oh, they might be dangerous and they're always in danger and they're aggressive. Like I've seen, I see that so many times where I'm like, have you talked to them? Like, yeah. they're actually really open to making a difference. They just don't exactly know how because they've never been taught taught or told because the stigma is you're from poor parents. That's where you're going to be and that's where you're going to end up. Mm. And there's not much hope. But I think emotional awareness allows us to let go of the judgment. Like, okay, you feel angry instead of, oh my gosh, you feel angry. I'm like, okay, you feel angry. What's happening in your life? Would you like to talk about it? What are your needs? So that we can yeah. um, resolve that. And I think it leaves us more open to, to deep connections and conversations. I started the movement, it's called I See You Movement. Um Obviously, it's not as big as a Me Too movement, yeah. but, um, but I see a movement where I think we have forgotten to just be with people. We are being taught that walk in their shoes, you have to understand and you have to be able to relate to people to create relationships. It's not true. Yeah, You don't have to walk in someone else's shoes because it's not your life. It's not your journey. It's not meant for you. Just be with people. Empathy mm. can- comes when you're allowed and when you're able to just be with people and acknowledge what they're going through instead of judging what they're going through. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do, like, I wor- when I worked as an au pair, I worked crazy hours. And the mom always said to me, I wouldn't ask you to do things if I wouldn't have gone through it myself. I'm like, wait a second, are we the same people? Are we, like, responding to the same things? Is your journey suddenly the same as mine? Because yeah. it doesn't matter if you have gone through it. Your experience is totally different than my experience. And my needs are different than your needs. Mm-hmm. And that is what needs to be acknowledged. Not that if you could go through it, I can go through it. That's not the way, That that's just not seeing people.
0: Yeah.
1: And a lot of people do it. And they mean it in a good way, in a well, like but I mean it really well. Like I didn't mean it in a bad way, but essentially you're not actually listened to the person. You're not just being with the person. You're trying to tell them what they're supposed to do according to your own experience of life. And that doesn't work. Yeah. That just doesn't work. And Mm -hmm. especially as someone who leads... Younger people, there's a lot of emotion going on. They're growing. they are exploring the world. They want to be independent and most of them haven't learned anything about emotional intelligence and they're just being thrown out into the cold water. This is where you go College see you later. Um, yeah. And it is get overwhelming and frustrating. They don't know how to deal with certain things and that just needs an open ear and less judgment. And you'll see most of the time, I think, um, especially youth pastors or anyone who works with youth, they feel this huge responsibility to save lives, to save people and to fix people. But what if we don't have that responsibility? What if we don't have to fix them? If we don't have to save them, what if we just have to be with them so that they can figure it out for themselves in a more empowered way and not have to... Punch them, punch their way through the judgment and through the walls and the obstacles that have been put in their way because of our own judgment of the wow. world. I was um, challenged through a meditation. Well, there were two things. I was given a title for a new book, and I'm like, I don't know what to write about that. No clue. So, God, whatever you want to do with that, like, I write the title down, but just you have to just fill the pages for me because I don't know what. Yeah. Um, And then the second challenge was for me to walk around and to look at everyone, stranger, friend, whoever, who was in front of me and see what I experience off them as part of me. Like what I said earlier, you are part of who I am. It's a reflection of what may bother me about myself. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't resonate with what you're showing up as, and um, and it it, it oh, I mean it brought up a lot of bitterness, and when I'm like, oh, where's this coming from? Like, I'm so angry at those people, and I don't know why. I don't even know them, but I was reminded that it's just part of what I have to reflect on myself. It Has nothing to do with them, but it has everything to do with me. And it it I went through such an. I'm still honestly, to be real honest, um, I'm still like. To this day, I have a call with my coach tomorrow. I'm like, I don't know what to do here mm-hmm. because this is like, even though I've done this work for so long, almost ten years now, it's still there's always still more things to do, always more to explore, more awareness to create. It never really stops. But the work starts with you if you want to have impact on the next generation, especially.
0: Yeah. That that I mean that last quote was the perfect way to wrap that up. And <laughs> yeah. I think what you said is challenge, right? I think, I mean, even though you have been challenged, I'm pretty sure you appreciate it, right? Because you're, you know, you're not just being told, hey, you feel how you feel, don't pray about it, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, mm. it's kind of, you're kind of engaging with your emotions and with your heart more. And um, and I think that's so key. And as young men, I know for me, like, it wasn't, a, it was a taboo thing for, especially in the church, it was a taboo thing um, to talk about these emotions and to talk about our hearts and our souls. And, um, right. But I'm glad that we're in a world today where leaders like you, and I know my church leaders, and I hope that me, want, I also, and just encouraging people that God, like, God wants, God, God made us, made all of us, not just, like, just the physical form and then our souls and then he was like, ah, I don't care about your emotions. No, he made everything how we feel, how our brains react, how synapses happen, like, all of that. And so Mm -hmm. we, we need to know that it's okay to feel how we feel. And, um, but then also that as, like you said, as youth pastors, we don't have to fix anybody. Um, we just get to walk with them. And I heard this quote the other day. I don't know if you've heard it, but someone said this, he said, too often, we have the idea that we're taking Jesus to schools or we're taking Jesus to people or we're taking Jesus to kids, but we have that so backwards Jesus is actually taking us. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> is taking us to kids. Jesus is taking us to schools. Jesus is taking us to clients, to challenge. Jesus is doing that. Uh, we're just along for the ride. Uh, and sometimes it's a crazy ride. But isn't it a bless- a blessing to be a part of that? Um, yeah. So, yeah. I Isabel. always
1: say everything leads us back to oneness with God. Everything yes. we experience is, is a little bit of another notch. Like, hey you take a little bit of that turn you get a little closer of experience the fullness of god within you and creating that that kingdom of god within you and within others it's it's like that ripple effect yeah that's beautiful
0: it's it's true it's true i'm sorry i'm a little i'm just like i'm really thankful for this conversation um because i i i i feel educated i walked away like "Mm mm-hmm Yep, let's let's go like i'm excited to have conversations with students now and um and non-students as well um
1: yeah i love that
0: so as well thank you so much i uh again i'm honored to have uh been able to ask you some questions and again um me and as well just met maybe like four weeks ago or so but uh i feel like a friend that um his is is educated And is focused on helping people become successful uh, by using their faith. Um, And so, how can people connect with you? How can people support you? How can people get the resources and materials that you have? Like, how can people Mm -hmm. connect with you?
1: Well, my book is um, available on Amazon The Power of Faith Driven Success. Um, that is, in particular, geared towards people under 30. I had more people over 30 reading it, actually. They thought huh. they were missing out in their 20s. <laughs> um, so that's funny. But in general, it's um, on my website if anyone um, is interested in, in having me as a speaker as well. I, I, I mostly focus on speaking for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is all um, available on my website, isabahunt.com. Um, in particular for the speaking, it's slash speaking. Um, with all the information on topics and everything else, how to book me. Um, but yeah, th- so that's the easiest way. I keep everything in one place so I don't cool. go crazy. <laughs>
0: oh, that's Isabon.com.
1: H U N D T dot com because yes. people forget the D. <laughs>
0: yes. Which which is different because when you say hunt, you just forget the D. The D is silent. <laughs> um But yes, so go trust me, go check out the website, go go read it. Uh you're gonna learn about Isabel how great she is and again i hope you learned about it in this 35 minute conversation Uh, but i've learned about it in the multiple conversations that we've had um, and her patience with me uh, as i deal with like insomnia and whatnot so uh, i appreciate you isabel and um hey everyone listening trust me share this episode share it with someone you know share it with someone share it with the youth pastor share it with the youth leader i don't care share it with your your three-year-old brother i don't care what you do But um, God has called us to do this work. Um, And God has called us to be, to care about a whole person. And I love what Isabel said, to see a whole person. Uh, So as you go out this week, go see a whole person. Go hang out with the whole person. Not just to get them saved or to get them in your church, but to know about truly 100% of who that person is. So thank you for checking out this week's episode. We'll be back next week. I'll see you guys later. Peace.